Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh, o'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on Bob Dill ring. Four o'clock hours here. Silver Sevens is the site. Every Thursday, Cofield and Company at Silver Sevens, just off the Las Vegas Strip, Flamingo, and Paradise. 77-cent beers tonight for Thursday Night Football. That special is good for every NFL game you can watch here at Silver Sevens. at two different bars, Silver and Gold Bar across the way, and we're at the Bud Light Lounge. Reno knows this. Vegas knows this. We start off every 4 o'clock hour with John Von Tobel and Cofield. We're big four. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. So we were just talking about baseball and the crazy early part of the offseason. I've loved it. I love to see guys get paid. They're worth every penny. Long-term deals I think are a little bit risky. I'd rather do, you know, four-year deals and up each year by $10 million rather than give someone 12 years and 300 mil. But it is what it is. And there are right now about, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 owners who are willing to do it. I think there's another 10 to 12 who could do it. Some others can't. uh, But honestly, it's not about baseball's economics. They are not rich enough to own a baseball team. So sell. That's just reality. It's a rich man's sport. Uh, You can make money. You're going to make money when you sell. So that's where you make your money. But, you know, you have miserly owners out there who will not spend money. The Giants are not one of those teams, but... They caught in the middle, and we know we have a lot of Giants fans up in northern Nevada. This turned out to be a disaster, but I think this last one with Correa, because they whiffed on so many guys led by Aaron Judge. This last one, John, I think was the Giants trying to play games, getting a little bit of cold feet, a little bit of buyer's remorse, and maybe looking to lower the price on Correa, except they didn't realize that Boris had another move up his sleeve, and Correa was like, I don't care where I go as long as I get the money, and it's a good-sized market. And it's an awesome story. So the AP came out with this. He uh, apparently, Correa, was in the St. Regis, San Francisco with his parents, his brother, and his in-laws ready to go to Oracle for his introductory news conference for the San Francisco uh, Giants. And then Scott Boris goes, meet me in room 212. They meet in room 212. He tells them, like, uh, they want to evaluate more time, more evaluation. I got the Mets in. You want to go to New York? And apparently he's like, hell yeah. And And he went to the New York Mets. So to your point, it did sound – if it was that close where Correa's got everybody there and is ready to go, it totally sounds like San Francisco was like, I don't know about this now all of a sudden. You were that close. Well, you were you, setting up an introductory press conference, and all of a sudden, ah, oh, the medicals, I'm not sure. Did you see what the red flag was medically? Something about his knee, right? That no, he no, suffered. It was, it was back to a uh, broken bone in his leg in the minors. Right, I was going to say it was a minor league injury. Red flag? Right. Like, you couldn't have found that out before you made the offer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, meanwhile, where was uh, where was the Mets owner? I thought the Mets owner was in, like, Hawaii oh, yeah, uh, on vacation, and Boris calls him. And yep. uh, I forget. What was the line he used? I, I got to look it up. There was some great line he used about, uh, like, you know, three olives for so, three something. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, that's a something terrible. That's olives. a terrible storytelling. I don't know why I mentioned it, but we'll, we'll look it up. I read it quickly today. But the point is, uh, Steve Cohen bought the Mets. This is a fun project for him. He's going to make money off it, yep. and he wants to win. And it's upset the apple cart around much of baseball because for the other owners, they were able to lean on this falsehood, this bullcrap 
narrative that was developed by Bud Selig that baseball didn't have competitive balance. And so many fans, and you know who you are, fans, who hate your millionaire and billionaire owners of your companies will side with those same billionaires when it comes to your team and back them up when they cry poor. Again, if you can't afford to own a baseball team, then sell. You're going to make money. Get out. It's such a weird phenomenon, too, like people like siding with the people who have all the money. We're seeing it in college football right now, right, this whole NIL thing, and people backing up coaches where all of a sudden they're like, this is, oh, this is anarchy. People not serving out their deal. They're coming in here, and they're going all over the place, and people are like, yeah, this is crazy. You can't do that. Like these coaches do it all the time. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you a weird example. We're all consumers, right? Let's say the grocery stores we go to. Service has gotten worse over the years. In most places now, we're required to scan our own food. We make the trip to a store, we scan our own food. Like is anyone there is there inconvenience and the scanner's not working? Is anyone there like, well, I mean these owners I mean, it's the economy. It's really tough now for the guy, the, you know, for the company that owns 444 grocery stores. It's rough. No, no one does that. And by the way, on that, on that whole thing, I don't understand what the business plan is of grocery stores. Because I was at a couple last night, and I'm like, I'm scanning my own stuff. I went to one, and the line was so long to scan my own purchases that I was like, I'm leaving. And then as I walked out, I'm like, why am I doing this? These places, like, I don't want to give all my money to Amazon. I could sit home, order stuff, in many cases, get it within four hours, or get it the next day. Why am I doing this if they don't even care? Like, they're not even trying to compete. Right? Well, like, they're- I'm going, and the experience sucks, and, and you have no registers open to self-scan. I could just sit at home, and they deliver it to my door. Dumbass! Way to compete! Well, that's why we do now. There's a lot of the times where we'll do like the pull-up, like get your groceries and go. Also, to your point, though, there's a certain Bertsons around here that every time I go, there's one checkout like human open, yep. and it's just a self-checkout, and the line for the one checkout person is a mile long, and the self-checkout's a mile long, and I've got like in that nexus of like 20 to 30 items where I could do it myself, but am I allowed? Should I go over there? Will I be viewed as a terrible person? Oh, you have to. Right. Oh, there's no following the rules anymore. They've, they've created a situation for anarchy. That's right. So if someone gets on your ass about going beyond the 15 limit, you're like, what, what do I do? What do I do? It's your fault. And then who are you going to complain to? The manager? I mean, I'm sure they're just going to be like, that's not my call. The, the other people below the manager, they, it's like they have nothing to do with it. And that's baseball. That's baseball. That's when, when the – no, seriously. When, <laughs> when the Reds owner is like, hey, you got to come out and watch the games. Why would I do that? I could sit at home, order your product, watch it for relatively free. I got to pay a little Actually, bit for it, but it's worth it. Why would I do that? You're telling me your product stinks and your customer service is suboptimal. Actually, if you live in the market, you can't stay home and watch it because it's blacked out. A lot of times, yes. A lot of times. Number three. All right, I got that rant in. This is a happy one. Happy holidays to Jay Moore. I don't know how this all worked out, and I know he's been married to celebrities before. Was it Nikki Cox that he was married to, the comedian Jay Moore? I believe. He's now engaged to Jeannie Buss. I think Jay Moore's 52. She's 61. Correct. She seems like an interesting lady. Uh, if you watched 
some of the Laker documentaries, especially the one on Hulu. She's really been looking for that soulmate for years and years. Her heart was broken by Phil Jackson. Good for Jay Moore. That's nice. To marry into the, the Lakers' fortune. And you found someone you loved. Yes. Does Jay Moore still do radio? Uh, no. I think at some point. Good for him. If, if you've got your eyes on the Lakers' fortune, and I don't think. Uh, was he doing radio back to 2017? I know he did Fox Sports National. Right. I, I always, you know, I say this to a lot of people, and this happens to a lot of athletes. Um, this is a relatively easy job, but it is a bit time-consuming. And to do a show five days a week, if you've got money and lots of other options, at some point you're like, eh. Like you told me today, you were like, I wasn't feeling well. Do I want to do everything I'm supposed to do today for radio? Right? And you, almost, you were ready to bail on, on at least something. If you're Jay Moore and you potentially can get Genie Bus. Are you going to do five days a week on radio? Uh, absolutely not. No. And I'm also, I'm very pro, like, these gender norms. Very anti-gender norm. You want me, Jeannie, to be a stay-at-home guy? Let's marry go. me into the Let's thing? Go. I'll, I'll wash everything. Let's go. I'll clean toilets. I'll do whatever you what need to do. What time do I have to show up to the Lakers game tonight? Yep. Right. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do all you want at home. Look, and, and you're marrying a 61 year She's. I mean, you're not taking. It's not like you're Mr. Mom. Freaking. You know what is it? Michael Keaton back in the day. You're not taking care of the kids. Right. You're not fighting a kid to take away a whoopee. Can I also say? Look, I'm not the most handsome man in the world. Jay Moore has aged. He's aged a lot. Yes. <laughs> he, he has aged. Not all of us in our 50s age well, and that includes me. Yes, it can go. It can go south very quickly. Have you seen recent pictures of him? I have. Yes. He doesn't look anything like he used to look like. Hmm, things change. I think his skull got bigger. John, just wait until that full head of hair ain't sprouting the way it's uh, it's been sprouting in your teens and twenties oh, and thirties. I've got good I've got good genes. This hair ain't going nowhere. Number two. Speaking of good genes, he's got the coaching gene, I think, or at least he's smart enough to have smart guys around him. Dan Campbell. I was wrong. I was wrong. It's a short sample. But I thought they would be a disaster this year. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. They're playing good defense. Somehow they've solved Jared Goff to a certain extent. Lions are for real. They are for real. Can I'm, they make the playoffs and win a game? Uh, yes, they can. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Dan Campbell's actually good. Um, I get strong at Orgeron vibes from Dan Campbell. No, in that like really, like and what I say is Ed Orgeron had that year where he caught lightning in a bottle. He had an incredible quarterback okay. and two incredible coordinators, right? That really helped him yeah. defensively and offensively. By any account, Ben Johnson, the offense coordinator for Detroit, has done a tremendous job this year. Meanwhile, Dan Campbell's being distracted by the wave yes. on key fourth downs in the middle of games they have to win. Yeah, I, I just get these really strong vibes that, like, Dan shows up after everyone's done all the work, and they're all just like, hey, Dan, like this is what we got. He's like, that's great. I'm going to go eat a bowl of nails and chew on some stuff and spit out all the blood. Like, I feel like he's not really doing a lot of leading there. Tell the story again of how the Panay Sewell offensive lineman pass a, goes in motion and uh, big third and seven, I think it was. Yeah, it was a third and seven. With a, like, tell, tell everyone how that went down and how much input Dan Campbell had. Dan Campbell was on the sidelines of a game that had less than three minutes left to go on a key third down that essentially almost iced the game. They decided to run Panay Sewell, their offensive lineman, in motion for a passing route that he would, they, he would be the primary option on. And before the play, as any head coach is asked, hey, we're thinking about doing this. What do you think? Campbell was so enamored with the wave in the stands that he just responded, yeah, whatever, and didn't know what they were asking him. And they ran it. 
That's that's ridiculous. And then he willingly went on McAfee's show and told the story, kind of making himself look like a jackass. But I guess the every man who gets distracted and has ADHD and admitted that when Ben Johnson asked him about the play, he had no idea. And then when the play was run, he was like, what are we doing? Right. Like, we just told you, Dan. That you're the head coach. <laughs> it's like the, the one moment in the whole entire game uh, you have to be paying attention to. I like the comparison to Ed Orgeron because it's kind of seemed like Ed took over a team that was freaking loaded, and he was one of the guys who was able to get Joe Burrow to come to the school, so that's part of oh. college football. But Ed just kind of let everything go on cruise control while he was watching the game and also watching the ladies. Yeah, we think about it. Ed Orgeron showed up, would do his rah-rah speech, and then they'd go out there and everybody would coordinate and do all their things, and Ed would just sit there, you know what I mean? Roll the ball out. Go get it, fellas. Dan, just come out there, just do your rah-rah speech, tackle guys in the locker room, and then everybody else takes care of itself. But, yes, the Lions can win a lot of games. Number one. Are you more optimistic about the close of the season with the Lions or the Patriots? Dan Campbell or Bill Belichick? Who'd have thunk it that I could ask this question this late in the season? Dan Campbell or Bill Belichick? <laughs> and who would, I mean, again, I mean, it kind of flies in the face of what we just talked about, Dan Campbell, but the Dan Campbell-led team is probably the more well-coached team. Right? Like, wow. <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably true. Coming up, I want to talk about some reports out there, some theories that um, maybe Belichick and the Patriots could split. And before you're like, that's never going to happen, you're the same people who said that about Brady and the Patriots and there wasn't any trouble or that there wasn't any trouble. A lot of bad signs this year. A lot of bad signs this year. And uh, Robert Kraft, you know, he's, he's an old man. What is he, 82 now? We'll continue with it. Big Ford 4 brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 766-1400. Cofield and Company, Festivus is tomorrow. Make sure you're ready to call in with the grievances, the airing of grievances. Three o'clock start right here on ESPN Las Vegas. I want to get to the latest developments with obnoxious female Raiders fan getting in the face of a Patriots fan because this one's gone national. That's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. But while we're on the theme of the Patriots, you know, we had Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk mentioned not in like a bombastic way. It wasn't an embrace debate way. He said, hey, if things keep going down this path where this has not been a good season for the Patriots, it really hasn't been a good couple of seasons. Um, it's been a failure without Tom Brady. Belichick's arrogance has gotten in the way. He's not a good judge of offensive talent. That free agent class a couple of years ago, that didn't work out the way he thought it would, trying to retool the offense. They still don't have game breakers at least at the wide receiver slots. Ramondre Stevenson was a good pick. But Mac Jones is not developing. You're retarding his development by having a longtime defensive guy, Matt Patricia, working with him. That's silly. All relationships come to an end. It's incredibly unique where a coach gets to stay all the way until the end. You know, Nick Saban will be able to. And there have been bumpy spots along the way with Kraft and Belichick. And, you know, again, to Miles' point, this could end if it continues to just be El Floppo this season, especially after, as we've tabbed it, Belichick's blunder, the Chandler Jones fumble return. Would Kraft pull the plug this quickly? I mean, it's only been three years without Brady, but it's been very mediocre, and it doesn't seem to be going in the right direction, and 
he's able to do whatever he wants, Belichick. Right? Yeah. I just wonder, like, if you're Belichick right now, and what, how old is he, like 70 or whatever it is? You had the run of it over in New England for such a long time. I'm going to sound stupid asking this question. Like, would he get the same leeway anywhere else? Uh, yeah, in a lot of organizations, of course. Those who are completely desperate to win and don't have someone. Like, I could see the Jets trying again, but Robert Sal has shown enough that he should be able to stick around. But, yeah, at, at 70 years old now, you're right, uh, would five or six organizations bend over backwards? But it's not just 70, right? It's 70 with, let's face it, a spotty track record of drafting offensive talent over the last five-ish years, right? They haven't been able to get a first-round offensive skill player right for a really long time. It's been very infrequent. A team that is diminishing from a coaching standpoint very clearly, and frankly a head coach whose decision-making has gotten really odd with his own right staff around him in the stubbornness in allowing Matt Patricia to take on this role. I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm very certain I'm probably wrong about this, but I just don't know. Like, If I'm running a franchise, I hate to say this, it's not like I turn Bill Belichick away. But I'm thinking really hard about accepting him in and allowing him to do whatever he wants. Am I wrong thinking that? Can I give you some teams? Sure. Let's go NFC first because I found some AFC teams that are attractive. But NFC first. Whoever is the owner of the new owner of the commanders. Why would you do that? Ron Rivera's got this team playing pretty well. You're on the fringe of the playoffs. You seem like you're just a quarterback away because Tyler Henneke stinks, and he's still ripping off wins. What are these now? Was he now six two and one as a starter, whatever it is? All right. Is you seem have a relatively solid base, like foundation. I don't know why you blow it up. Panthers. Yes, that would make sense. Right, big splash, David Tepper. They don't really have allegiance to anyone. They're kind of a rudderless ship right now in terms of leadership and whatnot, from a football perspective. Saints. Bill Belichick, yeah. here you go. You got, you know, we'll give you a deal here. You got, you know, looks like you got five, six, seven years left in the tank. Take over my franchise. Make us relevant, please. Again. But again make us relevant again. Yeah. I just feel like, it, like for New Orleans, they have some pieces, but you're not building exactly from the ground up. But like you're talking about, right? Five, six seasons. What is he building in five to six seasons? Is he really going to be able to draft scout talent, sign free agents, and build that up to the point of that short span that it's going to be like, all right, we're good. Let's compete for Super Bowls. Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. I mean, Arthur Smith has done a pretty decent job with them offensively. but I'll give you the best one in the NFC because he's got something to work with. But, man, they need someone with some credibility. Detroit. Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Now, that would make the most <laughs> – I would say that would make the most sense only because they seem to have a foundation that's close enough that if you kind of were to tighten things up, you could talk yourself into – if we get a coach that maximizes our decisions and wins, like you know, wins at the margins, we're probably a better team than we should be. And I'll or give you the, the easy home run of all home runs. Texans. No, he gets the number one pick quarterback. I think Casario would be kept around, but his his duties would be very diminished. Texans. I mean, maybe. So Texans or Cardinals. And Bel and Belichick's also like you keep saying rebuilding. Belichick's going to go somewhere. Like, it's Kyler Murray or a number one pick quarterback. I don't think he's going to go. Like, the Falcons are a tough spot to go to unless he believes Desperate. he can get some great, you know, free agent quarterback to come in. But he probably wants a fresh start. I mean, I would say so. But, like, well, even like with the Texans, though, right? 
that roster's got nothing. That's like a total rebuild. So you could say, cool, we get a number one quarterback. When does that quarterback, let's say the quarter, they hit it. Let's say it's Bryce Young. Right. He's exactly what you thought he was going to be. The timeline of Belichick. Year two. 70. Year two. Jaguars. Jaguars are doing it. They're close. Year two. Right, but they're Bryce, Bryce Young is awesome. But and you're right. The Jacksonville build. You're Jacksonville yeah. building for more than two years. Yeah. I I, I just think, I think you're right. I think you're right with Arizona. I think Arizona would be the most likely spot that you could talk yourself into adding Bill Belichick will maximize our roster and we could compete. I would love to hear Kraft during games in the owners box. I'd love to hear Bob Kraft and his son John talk about. You know, Belichick's a lot to deal with, but. I mean, he's winning. 20 years of winning. Yeah. You deal with it. Three years of this nonsense, and then the blunder here. Mac Jones embarrassing the organization by, you know, cussing, and then I saw Julian Edelman came out and st- you know, said, stop with a pissy face. I guess. I don't know. I, I find Edelman very funny judging others because I swear to God, Edelman, every cool. time he got tackled in the National Football League, he got up and tried to start a fight. Uh, yeah. But well, when you're winning, it doesn't matter. And when, and when you know, pissy face Brady is a quarterback, then it's okay because you're winning. Have you seen, by the way, that's a really quick aside, have you seen some of the media stuff from Edelman lately? Oh, it's so weak. He's kind of getting Shaq-esque where you know how Shaq's whole thing is like, how many championships you win? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, he's gone to that like quite oh, a bit. Oh, no. Yeah. There's a great clip of him and Brandon Marshall, former wide receiver Brandon Marshall. Yeah. Um, and, like, they're just – I don't know what Marshall brings up to don't him. Don't do just, this. Out of nowhere, he's just like, how many playoff games did you play? And Marshall's like, none. That has nothing to do with what right. I'm talking about. So Edelman is basically the new Draymond Green? Well, no, I think he's Shaq. Who, by the way – Shaq and Julian Dr- Edelman, the same guy. Did Draymond do a lot of Wii stuff after last night's game? Oh, 143-113. <laughs> Kyrie Irvingless Nets. Durant played. 143-113. And – no Clay Thompson, no Steph Curry, and Dre, uh, Dr. Dre went, uh, what, he posted a 2-4-6? Yeah, Mr. Triple Single. <laughs> a, a real low triple single. That, that, uh, that strain is coming up soon, that mysterious strain. Oop, I feel a little tug here. Oh. Might have to sit out a couple games. Sorry. Hey, hey, you, what, what's one of the things that you have said <laughs> for a really long time, right, the last few years, you, you said they should have went and got LaMelo Ball in that draft as opposed to James Wiseman? Those strains might be starting to get, you know, oh, yeah. man, this strain, because you want to know why? Victor Wimbanyama with the Golden State Warriors might look pretty dang good. Well, he's been at 30 last night. He's not hopeless. Patrick Baldwin had 17. He's a younger guy. Yeah. Kaminga did nothing. It's bad right now without Steph Curry. And by, and by the way, if Curry comes back and they make the playoffs, there is no MVP vote. Oh. I mean, there is no vote. I'm he's hope- the MVP. So he's down to 30 to one, or he's up to 30 whatever, however you want to do it. Um, I'm real. I'm waiting for the news that he's going to come back in like a week, and I'm just going to bet him again. Oh my god! What I've an already, easy bet. I've already got him at ten to one, but I'm going to bet him again if, if it's a reasonable timeline of his injury. So uh, back to New England, sort of. Uh, Bob Kraft offered this dude who got harassed at the Raiders game by this out of control lady. Uh, offered him tickets to I think this weekend. Although you know what, it's going to be four degrees. So. Another game. Um, it's funny. The fact that that guy, and if people didn't see it, there's a woman in a car jersey who was just in the face of this poor Patriots fan upstairs, just like just repeatedly. It seemed like for minutes, but it wasn't like 45 seconds. You were bothered by the husband? Oh, yeah. What's he supposed to do? He sucked. Well, because one, he's not stepping in, and it's not one of those control your woman things. It's like you clearly have a relationship with her. Right. T- like, calm her down. But, but you want to know what the worst part about it was? Was in the video when she's harassing this dude, 
when he finally pulls her away, it's not to stop her. It's to hug her because they won the game. Yeah. Like he's not embarrassed by her in any way, shape, or form. He's used to it. Right. That's what I'm saying. He's used to it. I'm sure she does it all the time in all areas of life. And that's why he sucks. Because he's been there. He's been part of it. It's why she's comfortable doing it. Mm. And to lovingly embrace her after what she's doing to that dude, he sucks. I don't think... Well, it's early. So I saw Sandra Douglas Morgan sent out a tweet. She's the president of the Raiders, apologizing for the behavior, saying it's unacceptable. I think it has to go way beyond that. I, I think the Raiders and the I think the NFL needs to have a press conference. Once they find out who she is and almost put her up like, actually, I would do it now. Put her up like an FBI most wanted. We will give a $10,000 holiday gift to someone. For her head? For, you don't have to, we, we don't want her dead. It doesn't need to be, you know, Dog the Bounty Hunter or something. We... We, he, he doesn't kill people, but I just wanted to move on to Bounty Hunter. But I think the NFL actually should use this as a great example of, hey, we don't want this at our games. We don't want people behaving like this. And I know what's going to happen. They're going to lay back, which I think is so weak. It's unacceptable what she was doing because we know what it could have led to. And it leads to it all the freaking time. So you have an example here where it actually didn't turn into fisticuffs or some you know, chunky woman getting her ass beaten or thrown down you know, five rows of seats. Use this as an example. I want to come up with more stuff that they can do. I think the NFL has got to jump on this because there are a lot of us fans who go to the games who are sick and tired of it. We don't want to watch games with people like this. Brad Powers coming up in less than 10 minutes. Leans and likes in college football for the bowl games and also how to bet the weather this weekend in the NFL and what he's going to do with the Jets and the Jags. So to finish up on the story that has blown up on the Internet, that was that video at the Owl, upper deck, Patriots lose. There's a Patriots fan who says that was the first game he'd ever gone to, NFL game he'd ever gone to, just getting harassed by some female Raiders fan, and he know he can't, he can't do anything. You know, even if she's bumping him, he can't do anything. Patriots notice they've offered tickets to the dude for future games. Sandra Douglas Morgan, the president of the Raiders, said, hey, we apologize. But I, I think it's got to go beyond that. Am I getting too crazy over this? Uh, no, but... Why not make her public enemy number one and send a message... That if you're going to get hammered or go harass other fans, you're not welcome at our games. And you know what the risk is at Allegiant? Zero. 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 Because someone will fill those seats instantly. And maybe, just maybe, it would dissuade fans from acting like complete animals and ruining it for the rest of us who just want to go, you know, have a few drinks, have some food. These tickets are massively expensive. I don't want to be baited into a fight or forced to physically protect myself because someone is a low-grade ass. I don't disagree with any of it. The problem is you got her. What about the other millions of cases of people that are doing this thing that aren't caught on video? Do the same thing. We have, we have videos every weekend right. with morons fighting. We have enough technology to ban these folks who can't behave themselves Start doing it and make a public display of them. So that's the bigger thing. It's not just it's not just do this to her. It's start doing it for everybody yes, else from yes. now on. Yes. I would get behind that. Because like you said, one of the reasons I always people are always shocked. I've never been to an NFL game before in my life. 
I've also never really wanted to. I would tell you that you're not missing a whole lot because of that. Right. Because of that. And the funny thing is when the guy was like, this is my first game, well, brother, that's about the way it is in a lot of cases. It, you know, not every, you know, it's not every game that you might have someone like right in your face, but there's probably going to be someone around you or you're going to be within earshot or view of people doing that to each other, and it's just, it's just unpleasant. It's not civilized. And believe me, I'm not the ultimate in terms of keeping my cool or you know, showing self-control. But these people are just beyond. And, and, the, and the other one isn't. They're never going to solve this. Um, they already cut off the drinking, the, the sale of alcohol at the end of the third quarter. It's probably not enough. So they're basically, the league is putting profits over the safety of their own freaking customers. Because you can't get drunk in the first three quarters. Right. <laughs> and you can't get drunk before the game, which right. a lot of people tailgate and get annihilated. They're bombed before they get in the stadium. Oh, and they're, they're there for like four hours. Right? And then they're blowing a point two five or you know, 3-0 by the time the fourth quarter comes around. Yep. And then what do you think is going to happen? There's going to be people who act like this. No, I, so I'm down with the bigger picture of getting, like, everybody who does this sort of stuff. It just would ring hollow, I think, if you just do it with this lady, and then that's the only thing you see. Oh, no, every stadium has to. I mean, right. every every uh, team has to do. They have someone like that every game. And I don't want to go to extremes, but imagine if they'd actually done the investigation the right way, really used video well, and got IDs on everyone who was involved in the fight at New Mexico State and New Mexico football. Yeah. Now, that's an extreme. You know, you wind up having a student on the campus of uh, New Mexico killed by a New Mexico State basketball player who, by the way, was in self-defense. Like, he had the right to shoot back. But it all started because they didn't really treat the fight seriously. These fights go on all the time. And luckily, this woman didn't get decked. Who knows? She might have been able to beat the crap out of the fan, the male fan. I don't know. Or, uh, to your point, like, all the husband did of the woman was hug her. What if he was a fighter? Then we have a full-scale brawl because this idiot wants to over-celebrate a victory. Mm-hmm. Like, relax. Act like an adult. The woman looked like she was in her you know, 40s or 50s. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Well, and that goes back to the guy with all his restraint, right? The second he you know, clears his space, as Justin put it, guy gets involved. They start fighting. Brings everybody into it. It's a dangerous place all the way up there because they were high up there. It was ridiculous. This was actually the outlier yep. of what usually will happen when someone instigates. Then a Donnybrook starts, and like, like you mentioned, it's in the upper level. Good luck keeping it together. Merry Christmas, baby. Baby, you sure did treat me nice. Hey, Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas, baby. Rolling out here in Reno and Las Vegas, State out Nevada, Cofield and Company. Silver Sevens is our spot watching the Jets and the Jags. Let's bring in Brad Powers. He joins us every Thursday to give us leans and likes. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Hey, doing all right. Thanks for having me. Brad, how do we attack this weekend college football? You can tell us about the situations, but especially the NFL with weather. What do you do when the weather gets really cold? Oh. Uh. Well, I mean, it's obviously wind more than cold for me. Uh, with that being said, I mean, we've seen some drastic drops already in the totals. I mean, if you're thinking you're getting one up on the books at this right. point, I mean, a lot of these have dropped five, six, in some cases seven points already. So uh, you're not getting a lot of value at this point. I would check more wind than, than, than anything. I mean, with obviously the biggest wind game being New Orleans, Cleveland, uh 
I, I, I'll say this. I wouldn't be playing any overs at this point, but uh, I, I would be, you know, looking to see, you know, when the game actually kicks off, it's a good live betting opportunity. Maybe the, the wind isn't as bad as perceived, and maybe you can get a good number uh, live betting it. All right, so you kind of answered my question there, because I was going to say, is there at any point where you see these things move, and so many people, like you said, were like, oh, they have no idea that it's so cold outside. I'll bet this thing under after it's moved five points. There's no point where you're going to look at this and go, maybe you should start looking at these over. That's not the case? Well, this is really in the weeds. So uh, this is one I got from Steve Fezzik, and I think it's super sharp. Look to play over like the Grand Salami, uh, where it's got all the games. Uh, look to play over that because what will happen is you'll get one game that just deviates from everything, and you'll get that one game that goes 35-28 and goes over by you know 30 points. Uh, that'll, that would be my preference is, uh, because you have so much suppressed scoring in all these games combined this weekend, the, the, the value, I agree, might be in the over. Just which one do you pick pre-flop that might actually go over? I'd rather just you know blindly you know take the chance taking the grand salami over. What do you want to do with this Thursday night football game? Uh, Jets, two-and-a-half total against the Jags is 36-and-a-half. Well, also a little bit in the weeds. I mean, so... You know, but let's play some long teasers here. I mean, we got some suppressed scoring here, some super low totals. I mean, why wouldn't you want to play Jacksonville in a teaser plus eight and a half and coincide that with, with a, an, another one that's a really low total? Maybe Las Vegas, Pittsburgh, take the Raiders plus eight and a half, teasing them up through three and seven with some very low totals. That means the points mean that much more with suppressed scoring. So I think there's a lot of opportunities to take advantage of that. Bowl games. One uh, today, I started Armed Forces Bowl. I know it's pretty cold in Fort Worth. It's scoreless right now, about uh, eight minutes into the game. It's uh, Air Force and Baylor. Did you have a play on this one? I lean Baylor. Uh, I can tell you in the newsletter I give out, I give out the under. I mean, I, I do think Baylor can shut down Air Force's option, and I think the weather being cold and windy will, you know, obviously hinder Baylor's passing offense. So those two factors together. Even though the total moved a little bit, I played under 43. Brad Powers, at Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter, bradpowersports.com. Let's start hitting some uh, bowl games moving forward through next week. Uh, starting off with Wake and Missouri. Tampa is the spot. Wake is two. Moline, Missouri. A little bit of money has shown on Wake here, but uh, I'm going to take the SEC team getting points against the ACC team. A much tougher schedule, even though Missouri's had some key opt-outs on the defensive side. I still trust the Tigers here, plus two. What are you doing with San Diego State? This thing got bet up from three and a half to, uh, it looks like sevens in some spots with the total now 49. Yeah, I mean, shop, obviously. You can find a six and a half right now, and that would be my preference to lay the six and a half with uh, San Diego State. I think quietly, they kind of turned their season around. They won five of their last seven games, and one of those losses was kind of a fluke. They blew that Double-digit lead against Fresno State in the final minute. On the other side, Middle Tennessee, everyone remembers the upset over Miami, Florida early on in the season. The reality is they got overpriced after that upset. They only covered two of their last eight games, so give me San Diego State. I was going to say Middle Tennessee. I just asked you about that one. Uh, New Mexico State by <laughs> Bowling Green. Uh, this one, actually, we've seen a flip, right? We saw, I think, New Mexico State open as a one-point favorite in some spots. We're now looking at three and a half. What was behind the line move, and were you in on it? I was in on it. Just bad line. I mean, yeah. these guys, you know, they're doing college basketball. They're doing the NBA, the NFL, a bunch of stuff. NHL, uh, they just made a bad line on two teams. Probably nobody in the world watches except maybe some guys that specialize in college football. So 
this will be a key lesson here. Bet numbers, not teams. I bet Bowling Green plus one. At three and a half, I would actually lean New Mexico State plus three and a half. Same deal with the total in Georgia Southern Buffalo, like bad line, because we saw this skip from 63 and a half to 67 and a half with no real move on the side. Yeah, I mean, Georgia Southern's totals got steamed up, I mean, since the start of the season. Keep in mind, they fundamentally changed their entire offense from a ground-oriented offense to up-tempo pass-happy. So, I mean, I know a lot of people hate Clay Helton. The fact that Georgia Southern had that type of drastic change offensively and were only favored in two of their games, uh, the fact that they're bowl-eligible says a lot of the coaching job Clay Helton's done. I guess what I'm getting at is I like Georgia Southern in this game. I think their quarterback, Kyle Van Trees, He'll be pretty motivated because he was a, a, a five-year player at Buffalo as the quarterback. He used that extra year of COVID to transfer to a more pass-happy offense at Georgia Southern. So and give me the Eagles here minus three and a half. Is there anything to the angle that Grayson McCall is already on the way out? We know he's on the way out, but he's still got a bowl game left against East Carolina. East Carolina is a seven-and-a-half point favorite with a total of 62. I'm still going to take East Carolina here. I mean, look, is he 100% healthy? He didn't look healthy in the last game that he played. They got an interim coach. And generally speaking, when everything was good for Coastal Carolina this year, uh, when they had their coach, when McCall was healthy and they didn't have any opt-outs, they were overrated. This is a 9-3 and team that got outgained and outscored on the season. So give me East Carolina. Holt Naylor's after playing what seems like 10 years at quarterback. This will be his final game. Really quickly, on McCall, we were talking about him earlier. How much of a, like a power rating shifter is he if he goes to the right program? Oh, wow, good question. Uh, I think it, you know this will, will be uh, uh, maybe a controversial take. I think he's more of a system quarterback than a great talent. So uh, if he goes to the right system, uh, like, say, Jamie Chadwell, Liberty, the coach that he, you know, he played under uh, for the last three years, I think that'll be a good fit, but... Other than that, I mean, if he goes to just some random Power 5 team, I don't think he'll be as worth as much of the point spread as he is at Coastal Carolina. I'll put it that way. I've read Notre Dame. What does that do for you? Uh, I, I don't think he has the grades for Notre Dame. That's a little inside info there. Oh, wow. Okay, that's really good inside info. Brad yeah. Powers with us. He's our college football expert. Covers everything when it comes to college football, even the greats. Um, all right, let's stick sure. on Tuesday next week in Phoenix. Okie State and Wisconsin – um, Badgers laying three and a half. So this is one where it's like an exhibition game. It kind of reminds me of the Fenway Bowl that we just had. I mean, you got an interim coach for Wisconsin. You got a pair of backup quarterbacks. You got several key players out on both sides. I mean, it reminds me of NFL preseason. What happens there? I mean, you got low scoring, vanilla uh, game plans here. I'm going to go under 43. And if that sounds low for an Oklahoma State game, each of their last five games of the season, when, that, when Spencer Sanders got hurt, and wasn't 100%. Each of their last five games went under the total. Wednesday, Liberty Bowl, Memphis, Kansas, supposed to be playing Missouri, but Missouri backed out, and even though they're kind of fibbing about it, they didn't want to play Kansas. Arkansas is two. Oh, two. That, that, that would be an outlier line. I, most Uh-oh. places are three. I would take the three uh, with Kansas here. I just think they're more motivated to play in a bowl game. Why? Well, I haven't been in one in more than a decade. Arkansas lost their defensive coordinator. UNLV fans are well aware of that. They also have several other opt-outs, including a couple of their best players on defense. So Kansas motivated plus three for me. What do you think of the 74 total in the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, North Carolina, and Oregon, 74.5? Yeah, I understand it. I mean, North Carolina is decimated in the secondary. I mean, five guys out, including three starters. They might even have walk-ons in the two deep. Oregon should be able to take advantage of that. And then, you know, 
both quarterbacks are still playing. In fact, they're both coming back next season, so they'll want to show their, their worth uh, here in a game that Oregon's going to win and probably win comfortably, but uh, I'm going to lean over still. Let's finish up with a couple of games next Thursday, but before you're on with us, some early starts, 11 a.m. our time. Actually, it might be 8 a.m. our time. Um, Minnesota and Syracuse, and the Gophers are 9.5. Yeah, a lot of money on Minnesota. I'm part of it. I like Minnesota quite a bit here for a lot of reasons. Number one, I think matchup-wise, they could just get really get after Syracuse at the line of scrimmage. Also, Syracuse lost their offensive corner, their defensive corner, two guys I really respect. And they lost their best player. Sean Tucker opted out, the outstanding running back. So Minnesota controls this game from start to finish. Oklahoma getting 9.5 next Thursday in the Cheez-It Bowl. Yeah, it sounds square, but there's another one. I'm going to lay it if you play it. I mean, Florida State, uh, very underrated team. This is a top-10 team in a Vegas power rating. That's how good Florida State's been, especially down the stretch. Oklahoma has multiple guys out, including their outstanding running back, both offensive tackles. Uh, they were really focused on signing day, so I'm not sure that the full game plan will be set for, for this one. So, Noel's close to home. Uh, they roll over o- OU. Last one. I'm guessing this won't affect you, Brad. We're talking to Brad Powers, Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter. BradPowersSports.com is where you can find all of his great information and all the packages. YouTube and Sunday Ticket. I see a lot of gamblers already complaining that there's a big lag with YouTube, with live sports, like 45 seconds. Does that matter to you with NFL betting as you're betting throughout the day, or you're not going to have to rely on something like that? Yeah, believe it or not, I don't do a lot of live NFL betting. Uh, I am betting college football openers usually uh, on Sundays at yeah. Circa, okay. so I, I miss almost all the, the, the 1 o'clock or 10 a.m. We're here in Vegas. I miss that whole window, so it does not impact me much. Brad, you are the man. One last question before we let you go. For you, the pro, uh, you know, the college professional sports better how big a day is in terms of crunching numbers how big a day is early signing day for you i you know it's more fan uh right. I, I like seeing some stuff uh crunch it's big recruiting is huge now especially yeah. i mean kids are they'll be at the school here in a couple of weeks so uh it's something i'll digest and take into impact you know as they start the power rating process in january all right, good deal. Brad, we appreciate it. Have a good holiday, and we'll check in next week. All right, sounds good, guys. Take care. There he is, Brad Powers, one of our favorite spots of the week. John Von Tobel is here, Cofield. What do you think of that, all the complaining about the lag? Because, uh, you know, those of us who don't have, you know, 30 TV set up and somehow direct feeds, you're watching on uh, an app with a 45-second lag. That's kind of a big deal. Oh, yeah, well, 100%. Unless something happens going into, like, a quarter break or something like that where you know nothing else is happening live. It's a really big deal. I would say in the NFL, it's more play-to-play based, so you can kind of get around it, right, because it's a little bit more stagnant in a sport like basketball where the possessions are really fast, and if you're behind, it's you're really behind the eight ball there. You can miss out on like 10 possessions in the span of 45 seconds. It's a big deal. I don't bet enough that it matters to me, but I understand. I mean, I don't really bet a ton in-game. I will say that like little things like, for example, I will jump on teams if a starting quarterback gets hurt. Right, and especially yeah. if they're the lead, you'll go and try to bet the other side. Uh, like do with little things like Uh-oh. that. That'll affect you because if you're 45 seconds behind, it's already been factored in. UNLV basketball coming up right here on uh, ESPN Las Vegas. Thanks to ESPN Reno for being with us for this hour. Tomorrow you're going to want to listen. We've got our Festivus show that'll start up. You can listen to the whole thing at LVSportsNetwork.com. We go three to six every day, four to five on ESPN Reno. But we got uh, running Rebel basketball here on ESPN Las Vegas, six thirty. 
with Running Rebel warm-up. And then 7 o'clock tip is uh, John Von Tobel is doing sidelines. John Sandler on the play-by-play. Curtis Terry, former Rebel, is the analyst. And then I'll be over on the TV call on Fox 5.2 and Cox 125 with Matt Neverett. So uh, check that out as well. Thanks to Silver Sevens for housing the show today. Get on down here. Jets and Jags kicking off in less than 20 minutes. They've got great specials, especially the uh, brewskis. Once the game kicks off, bottles of Bud. Bud Light McUltra to 77 cents.